Today's episode of the Pretty Girl Pill Club is brought to you by The Gallery. Based out of New York, The Gallery is a curated collection of photographs from around the world. While we are all unable to travel, this is a great way to bring a piece of the world to you. Or if you're like me and don't really leave your apartment to begin with. All prints are made from 100% recycled aluminum, giving your wall that gallery finish. Right now, The Gallery is offering our listeners 15% off by using the code 15OFF. Go to thegallery.com, that's G-A-L-R-Y.com, so your wall will never be boring again. That's a good intro for 42 minutes. Fuck, dude. I gotta stop doing... No, I don't... Actually, no. I'm never gonna stop doing that. Our format is the fact that I can't handle keeping to a format. That's a good segment, though. That's like a... Not even a segment. That's like a whole... Dude, that's a whole fucking episode. Welcome to the Pretty Girl Pill Club, where straight men are 100% of my problem. And the bigger problem at large, too. The bigger problem, yeah, at large, like in the world. And they're also like 100% of my problems. Like when Jay-Z was like, 99 problems, but a bitch ain't one. It's like, that's such a straight guy thing. Because like, if a woman had written that song, it would have been, I have 99 problems and men are all of them. The root of all problems. And the reason that... I have 99 problems and all of them are men is because from the man's perspective, they have 99 problems, but a bitch ain't one of them. And that's why this isn't working. Why am I none of your problems? He not tripping on the things you tripping on. But that's the problem. Exactly. (laughs) But uh, anyway, yeah, as we said, this is the Pretty Girl Pill Club. I'm Sophie and this is Ronnie. And this is a show where a couple of very unqualified idiots on the internet with fucked up brain chemistry talk about having fucked up brain chemistry among other things because god forbid i ever stick to a fucking format what's a format (laughs) the format is that i can't handle having a fucking format but we're really trying it guys we're really fucking well by really trying it i mean we successfully did it in one whole episode and i wasn't even there and ronnie wasn't even there in a very loving way i did kind of like throw you under the bus a little bit in that episode and said that like Ronnie doesn't keep me in line the way that you do. I, my guest Mario slash my friend Mario was like really like trying to keep me, you know, keep me from going outside the lines. And I was like, dude, Ronnie needs to crack the whip a little bit more. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not good at that. <laughs> I love the I love the free conversation. I do see the value in cracking the whip though. So do I. I love the free conversation because I can go on a thousand tangents an hour easy but the problem is that like my inability to like stay focused and like not get derailed is so off the charts that it's on it's like psychotic at a point truly there's no segue in this but coping mechanisms see that was a good example of you cracking the whip ronnie i gave it a shot yeah so we wanted to talk about coping mechanisms but ronnie and i very quickly realized that we don't have any healthy coping mechanisms or at least we do but we don't actually use them it's it's like the fucking shake weight that your mom bought in 2008 that's like in your garage somewhere still in the packaging like that's that's where my healthy coping mechanisms are so we quickly realized that we couldn't actually dedicate a whole episode to healthy coping mechanisms and actually take ourselves seriously because we're a train wreck but 
Ronnie wanted to present a coping mechanism that, well, I don't know. I don't know what it is. So go for it. So I got this coping mechanism while I was on my second 5150 of the year. Wow. See, see how good our coping mechanisms are? Second 5150 of the year. This is the height of mental health in podcasting. Oh, yeah. I got it from a PBS documentary hosted by Alec Baldwin. And <laughs> the documentary came with a worksheet as well as a VHS tape. And it, 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 it was about using cognitive behavioral therapy or CBT to specifically help this one woman with her fear of flying. So I was leaving the hospital and I said, I'm going to use this because I'm stressed about a lot of things. And basically what the system is, is you write down what you're anxious, stressed, uh, pretty much just for anxiety and stress. You write down what's ailing you, and then you write down the feelings that you're feeling surrounding it, and then you write down the truth of the situation. So I guess one example I had was, I was like worried about seeing my ex at the time, <laughs> which is funny because like... I'm going to tell you right now, the coping mechanisms did not work and I cried, but they worked for the moment and they worked later when I did it. That's funny that you say that like you didn't use a healthy coping mechanism and then you just cried because when I did like give a solid attempt to writing down healthy coping mechanisms, crying was like three of them. Mm -hmm. This is how great I am at this. Anyway, carry on. So I guess I should explain the context. I was worried about seeing this person because we had been dating and I was like, man, I don't know how you could just <laughs> lose love for me after a year but i'm so fucking lovable bitch right <laughs> so my fear was i'm going to see her and cry and then like <laughs> the um feeling about it was like i'm still sad about this and the truth was i was like she don't care about you and like for a while that worked and it was just like in that moment i had seen her and like i like ran away and cried but I, I used it pretty recently too um, about moving because I hate moving and I wrote down all the anxieties about moving and I wrote down all the truths about them and the truths were true and I moved without an incident for the most part. I got yelled at but that's neither here nor there. It's hilarious to me because it's like yeah the truth of the situation is that she don't care about you but like that's the thing that's gonna make me cry. Like I want them to see me and I want it to hurt them. Mm -hmm. Whenever I do it it's always like she don't care about you. Like that's yeah. it's a lot of of what the truth is. <laughs> yeah, and it is the truth. The problem really is that I'm everybody's toxic ex-girlfriend dog. Like no one's ever told me that, but I have a strong suspicion that I'm a lot of people's toxic ex-girlfriends. I get the feeling. Yeah, because I'm, I mean, in our 42 minute intro that might end up getting moved to after this segment. So if you're listening to this, you may or may not have even heard it yet, but that's neither here nor there. My problem is that here's the thing I, I'm a Scorpio rising with an Aries moon and that means I have a devil on both fucking shoulders bitch and I may or may not be like the devil incarnate and so like if I run into an ex somewhere it's not even about what I'm gonna do my hope is that they go home and cry after that I like have literally spent hours of my fucking life daydreaming about like running into an ex at like fucking Whole Foods or something and then them going home and crying like that's my wet fucking dream and that's the problem. I'm toxic. You know, it's funny you say that because I literally almost put myself in that situation actually a, a week ago. 
where I was like running an errand and I was like, oh, my ex works here. Maybe I should stop by and see if she's working. And I thought she was, but she wasn't. And I was like, man, that was dumb of me to try to do because I know I'm sensitive. I would have done the same thing, but it would have been because my like disgusting hope would be that like it would hurt them and like fuck up their whole day. I would have been going to fuck up my own day. <laughs> I'm okay with being hurt as long as they hurt more because then I won't hurt anymore. Other people's pain makes me feel better. Y'all know how the saying goes, hurt people, <laughs> hurt people. I never put two and two together because that's like some Pinterest ass shit. But like I've seen that so many times and I've never put two and two together that like, oh, that's about me. It sounds like something Freud would have said. And then people would have been like, damn, you spit, you spit. And it's like, no. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I See, this is why like we always talk about self-awareness because as much as I love to like talk about how self-aware I am, I never put two and two together that like, oh, I'm the hurt person that hurts people. That's fucked up. Dude, I'm fucked up. Going along with the theme of like me being the devil incarnate. Fun fact, my first, middle, and last name are six letters each. Oh, that's some Ronald Reagan level antichrist mark of the B shit. I'm so proud of it, dude. <laughs> I kind of love it. I only realized that like a year or two ago. And I like immediately like called both my parents and like, you know, it's like big if I like actually like voluntarily like spoke to one of my family members, but I literally called both my parents and I was like, did you do that on purpose? Did they? No, they didn't. And I would respect them more if it had been purposeful. And I told them that I was like, you should have lied and said that it was on purpose because I would respect you more and maybe I'd call you more. You mentioned you had a coping mechanism other than crying because we did discuss how freeing crying could be. Did I? Oh, you know what? You're right. I did. I was like, the fuck are you talking about, Ronnie? You're totally right. No, I do. And it's a thing I don't do very often. Well, actually, that's not true. I do it quite a bit. But and I know that I'm in a bad place when I don't do it. But doing it always gets me back to a good place. The problem is that when you're in a bad place, it's really hard to get to the point to where you actually fucking do it. Anyway, that's enough. Uh, prologue fucking like clean your shit dude clean your apartment wash your fucking bed sheets that's just disgusting when i didn't have a washer and dryer for a fucking week that sent me into a fucking depressive hole among many other things that were sending me into a depressive hole because my bed sheets were just fucking gross as hell dude i definitely feel you on that one like nothing makes me want to like actually get out of bed and shower more than if I like bleached the shit out of my shower the day before. I feel like your living space is usually like a pretty good reflection of like mm. your mental state. And when you clean up, like, I don't know, everything just feels fucking better, dude. And when I say deep clean, I mean like cleaning the baseboards and shit. Like I'm not talking about some like pussy shit. Like you are not deep cleaning unless you actually like dusted the top of your refrigerator, dog. That's what I mean. And every time I do that, it's usually like when I'm like at the very end of a depressive hole and I'm finally just like all right bitch it's 6 p.m you just fucking woke up this is not okay you need to snap the fuck out of it take an Adderall chug a Red Bull and fix your life and step one to fixing your life is cleaning up your shit so you deep clean everything and then after that it's like I don't know it's like hitting the reset button on your fucking router you know what I mean mm -hmm. everything feels a lot clearer even if it's all a facade who cares? I feel better. But that's like really like that's really the only healthy coping mechanism that I have because like I said, three of mine are crying. Hugging your pets. That's actually a good one. Hug your fucking pets. Um, and if you don't have a pet, maybe that's why you're depressed. 
yeah, me and Ash don't even get along and she's taking me out of my depression. But that's like the beauty of cats is that they make you work for it, you know? They hate you a little bit and it kind of feeds into like the masochistic part of yourself that like loves to be emotionally abused a little bit. Right. That That's probably just, I'm only speaking for myself on that one. I know that's not a generalization and that was like a hyper-specific me problem. Yeah, dude, hug your pets. My cat, Sam, is an emotional support animal according to a piece of paper I got my doctor to sign but something that that same therapist did say about like me having a pet is that like for people with like ADHD and if you you know have like really bad depression and things like that like having a pet is honestly like so good for you because it it for ADHD it it forces you to have some semblance of a routine, right? Yeah. And that's a big thing for ADHD brains. Like you have to have some semblance of a routine. Having a pet forces you to do that. And, you know, ADHD commonly goes hand in hand with depression. And a big part of depression and why we so often will get depressed and then stop taking care of ourselves and stop taking care of our living environment is, you know, a big part of it is because we don't think that we deserve it. And like you get into this mindset of like, well, my entire life is a mess and so am I. But when you have a pet in, in, a, in a really sad way, you don't think that you deserve it, but you think they deserve better. Yeah, that's the big thing. Definitely the big thing. Yeah, because I think a lot of the times when I'm able to like force myself to like get up and like clean and shit, it's because like I feel so shitty. Like I like, even though I realize like it's a it's a fucking cat. I don't think she cares. But like. The thought of like my poor little 800 year old cat living in like fucking squalor because I couldn't be fucked to wash my dishes for a week and a half like makes me feel like a, like a piece of shit and like somebody should call the ASPCA on me. I mean Ash wanting to eat makes me eat sometimes so yeah, yeah we, we want better for our children. Again, hyper-specific and probably only applies to me. Chugging a Red Bull, nothing makes me feel more alive than that. <laughs> um, and then my last one was go to sleep and try again tomorrow. Yeah, that's a good one. Really? Because I was like, that's terrible advice, probably. I don't know. I feel like when you go to sleep, your problems go to sleep, too. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know if that's true, but I, I I don't know. That's that's one that I've leaned on pretty heavily. Like, even if like you had the shittiest day of the day before, it is a little bit refreshing when it's not that day anymore, you know? Right. I think um, maybe this is something that might make people feel better. So in part of queer theory, we look at like queer time and how capitalism has forced us to live on like the, the schedule of waking up early so you can like get started work early and then going to bed early so you can wake up the next day for normal work. And what that does is it makes us feel bad about, and I'm doing this in air quotes, not using our time correctly, which is bullshit. So the other side of that is if you do like go to sleep, I like to think of like business hours as like, look, I'm only going to be productive during, you know, these business hours because after five o'clock, man, I'm on me time. Yeah. I mean, and being that like no rules during run or whatever like I'll wake up at 6 p.m and be like I fucked up my whole life and then I go back to sleep for like two more hours you know and I wake up around eight or nine and then I'm like you know what I'm ready to fix my fucking life right now and then I try to fix my fucking life until six in the morning and then I go back to sleep and I feel a lot better I mean I did that the other day like I said woke up super late in the day was very depressed pulled some like psychotic bitch shit 
on like a cute boy I like, which is, you know, always fun and fresh and great for always shakes things up. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. I love dude. I love the spicy texts that like unmedicated soap sends on on a bad day. Like those are just so much fun. Yeah, felt like a piece of shit. And then I went back to sleep and then I woke back up around like 10pm. And then I like literally just deep cleaned my apartment until like seven in the morning. Dude, I went to fucking Vons when they opened at 6am because I ran out of bleach when I was like cleaning my apartment. So I went to Vons when they opened and like bought more cleaning supplies. And that was like the best I had felt about like myself in a while, you know, especially because obviously like, you know, the whole being unemployed thing and just feeling like a useless piece of shit. And again, it's like the problem is capitalism because I had money and I was like doing well and I felt like money was like a big part of my self-esteem for a while. And then you kind of lose that. And then your sense of self is gone. And the problem is that your sense of self can't be your income. And then it is your income and it gets taken away from you. And then you just feel like a fucking degenerate. And the problem is capitalism. The problem is straight men and capitalism and also me so the one thing you can't control is like not letting capitalism get you down even though you can't like really control that because that's like the ruling thing that's just something to think about capitalism will get us all down bitch yeah yeah i mean and like you were saying about like the whole you know feeling bad about ourselves because we're not using our time correctly i feel that too but i also feel like you know when i don't use my time correctly it's like dude i'm just like i'm just gonna fucking waste my whole fucking life and then I'm gonna die and no one's gonna come to my funeral and like it's gonna just I'm just like a fucking piece of shit well I would say that like sleep is productive despite people saying I full no I fully believe that I am yeah. very anti like depriving yourself of sleep to get work done I always have been Christian actually uh told me on the phone the other day that uh, he was driving uh he was like on a long drive somewhere and he caught up on the episodes that he hadn't listened to yet and he's like, if somebody played a drinking game where like they drank every time Sophie mentioned her quote unquote aggressive ADHD, like you would have alcohol poisoning before the first ad break. And I was like, well, fuck you. But uh, per my aggressive ADHD, like sleep is like such an important part of me being able to like function in the world. Yes. Because I can't relate to people that are like, oh no, I just didn't sleep for three days and I just fucking got it done. And I was like, can't, no. I like, that's when I become a fucking nightmare. Even the people that say that like, they're good at like working under pressure and they can just like, they work better when they're a little bit sleep deprived or whatever. Those people are fucking lying. They're nightmares too when they do that shit. They're just not being honest about it. If I like spend a night not being able to sleep or whatever, and I have something going on the next day, like if I can reschedule that thing, I will. Because it's like, if I didn't sleep, I know I know nothing good can come of whatever it is that I'm going to do today. Mm -hmm. Contrary to popular belief, sleep is productive. Sitting down, relaxing, that's productive. I'll preface this by saying fuck Jeff Bezos, but didn't Jeff Bezos say that something about how he really prioritizes sleep because like, even if you get two more working hours in a day by not sleeping, you're less productive overall or whatever? Mm. That sounds like something he, he could have said, yes. <laughs> sounds like something he said. 
again, like, fuck Jeff Bezos, but if I'm right that that's something he said, that's the one thing I, I can vibe with with the homie on. Mm, he's not wrong in that respect. No, not at all. I'm just going to Google it real quick. So, once again, not endorsing Jeff Bezos, but, you know, sometimes rich people say a decent thing or two. Jeff Bezos explains why he thinks getting eight hours of sleep is the key to making important decisions in the workplace. Oh, right, right, right. This is, this is the key quote that I was thinking of. If you shortchange your sleep, you might get a couple extra productive hours, quote unquote, but that productivity might be an illusion. When you're talking about decisions and interactions, quality is usually more important than quantity, which is hilariously ironic coming from the fucking CEO of Amazon. But great quote either way. He don't let people go to the bathroom. What about the fucking impact that has on your productivity, dog? Jeff, my kidneys are tired, please. I actually worked for Amazon um, for a summer. And yeah, if you wanted to go to the bathroom, you had to scan something within six minutes. So if you wanted to go to the bathroom, you had like six minutes round trip before they would like get on you. Dude, I would last like maybe half a day there. I pee so fucking much. Honestly, when they told me that, I like, <laughs> I started snaking that out. You're like, okay, so so I should just leave. Yeah, no, yeah. I like made sure I was always like close to the bathroom and yeah. I would just like, I would take maybe like three or four bathroom breaks. Um, yeah. A sh like per segment of shift. They got me for it though. They were like, you're not stocking as much stuff, but eh, got paid. Yeah. I, I just would have been like, dude, what do you want me to do about my small bladder? Like genuinely, what would you like me to do about it? I need to know. So once again, fuck Jeff Bezos. But this is a really great quote. I would love to just like pretend that somebody else said it. Who should we falsely attribute this quote to? I don't know. Maybe Carl Sagan. Maybe Carl Sagan said it. Yeah. You know what? Carl Sagan once said, if you shortchange your sleep, you might get a couple extra productive hours, but that productivity might be an illusion. When you're talking about decisions and interactions, quality is usually more important than quantity. Carl Sagan. Great guy. Great guy. And it's also translated into like an alien Rosetta Stone. So you know it's true. Well, it's a great quote. That's a, it's a, those are words to live by. It's like, ugh, I'm so mad that Jeff Bezos said that because I literally like, I pull that one out like all the time. And you know what? They made us also feel bad about the color of our pee because most of the stalls had this um, paper where it was like, if your pee is this color, you're not hydrated enough. So it was like. So they're gaslighting the shit out of you. That's so fucked up. Yeah, so I was drinking a lot of water. <laughs> That's so fucked up. So you can't pee, but if you're dehydrated, you're also a piece of shit. So if you have to pee, you're a piece of shit. If you're not hydrated when you do go pee, you're also a piece of shit. That's fucked up. And uh, Amazon is like emotionally abusing mm. their employees. I mean, we already knew this, but I, I really haven't thought about it in a long time. So... <laughs> I know I wouldn't last at that job because I have such a problem with authority and it's it's my Aquarius son. I will take any opportunity to be a defiant little piece of shit. I would get fired so quickly from an Amazon warehouse. Bringing it back to coping mechanisms, I had to sneak my um, phone right. and like I got this little ear, ear Bluetooth AirPod to listen to music to and that made it a lot better. Although I did get in trouble one time because they had iPhones there so like you weren't supposed to bring your phone in because they had to like check if you were stealing if they saw it you know. 
I'm so mad at the amount of money that I have given that man in my life since I know that uh, I don't have any fucking healthy coping mechanisms or more accurately, I do, but I don't use them. Like what's what's an aspirational coping mechanism to you? Exercise. I would like to get the joy out of exercise that other people get. I think I agree with you, but I simultaneously don't want to be a person who gets joy and like, I don't know. I don't want to... Like, I don't want to be that person. Like, I want to be that person, but I don't want to also have to be that person. Right. I totally feel you. Maybe I'm just resentful, honestly. I think like a part of it is for me, a part of it for me is I'd like to be built like what the comic book Wolverine is built like. So that would be like a plus that I'm I'm somehow working through my (laughs) my mental issues by getting physically stronger but uh it's uh it's not on the table right now yeah see I think like deep down maybe maybe the reason I hate so many things is because I just resent so many people for doing things that I probably should do and don't so maybe this is a little like one finger pointing at them three fingers pointing back at you or whatever the fuck you know what I mean I mean probably that and even on like to a lesser extent eating three like real meals per day and at least like one of them isn't cereal Mm. like that would be fucking cool like that's something that i actually would really like to achieve i feel you on that one too because i'm at a i'm at a light too right now yeah because like every time i feel good i'm like which is rare but i'm just like I wonder how good I would feel if I had the diet of somebody older than seven. Because it's not even like a health thing so much of it, so much as it's just like, a, well, you're putting garbage into your body and so you feel like garbage. And nobody better fucking come at me and be like, oh yeah, you should go vegan. It'll like cure your depression. I don't care what fucking diet you think is going to cure my depression. It fucking won't. And you can shut the fuck up. I don't, don't, don't do it don't try me. But if, if I didn't go like three days where I only the only food I consumed was cereal, I probably would feel a little mm. less shitty, you know, definitely possible. But your stupid fucking green juice isn't going to make me have any less existential dread than I currently do. So don't even fucking try me with that shit. I do not want to hear it. And I swear to God on site, motherfucker on fucking site. Anyway, yeah, those are pretty good coping mechanisms. Yeah. Even though I did just say that a lot of my like the things that I fucking hate are probably just because I'm jealous or resentful or whatever. With that one, it's not just because I resent people who like, you know, actually take care of their bodies. Again, we've talked about it so many fucking times, but like, don't tell me that your fucking keto diet is going to replace Lexapro for me. I'm not, we're not doing it. We're just, no, fuck you. Going back to uh, our thesis statement at the opening of this episode, fucking straight men are the problem. And straight men who live in fucking Venice Beach, California, they are like 10,000% of the problem. I remember when a one guy at that company was talking about how he was like fasting and how like he felt like he got so much like mental clarity and like all of these great benefits from fasting and I deadass said I would love to be rich enough to skip a meal Mm -hmm. on purpose to him in front of like all of the other like you know executive roles at that company yeah the mental clarity you get from fasting to handle all that privilege you got yeah 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 
Yeah, dude, exactly. Actually, this brings me to a really good point about like classism in like self-care and like coping mechanisms. A lot of the stuff that we complain about routinely on this show about like things that people commonly say to do and like, you'll feel better. A lot of it is stuff that is coming from a place of privilege. Like when people talk about like, oh, take a take a mental health day. It's like, I bet that's like really easy for people who like, you know, have a really cushy job or like they work, I mean, pre, pre-Rona, like are able to work remotely. But even during Rona, I mean, there are so many people that like don't have the luxury of working in a job that like they're even able to work remotely. Like if you if you're in the service industry or whatever, it's like, oh, take a mental health day. Well, like if you work hourly, that's not like that could be the difference between, you know, having a meal or not having a meal, right? Something to keep in mind with like a lot of the bullshit rhetoric that we hear about coping with mental health, a lot of it is really classist because not everybody can just like take a day off to like doodle and um, take a bubble bath and like watch Gossip Girl and like cry. Like not everybody can do that. Oh, like you'll cure your depression if you go to SoulCycle three times a week. Like fuck you, like SoulCycle is like $40 a class or whatever the fuck. And I get it, like the point of that advice being that like exercise, but there's probably a little bit of ableism in there, I'm sure, or also just the fact that I'm a lazy piece of shit and the fact that like if you're so depressed that the idea of working out is like the most horrible daunting task to you that's not just like the easy fix that you want to make me believe that it is there are definitely like cheaper ways to work out but i think this also speaks to like the access and also like in terms of like disseminating this information comes from a place of access and class you gotta be privileged enough to not like necessarily have wi-fi but like the spaces that this information comes from are created by people who have the access and ability to try some of these like things that would take away from like your productivity i.e capitalist pursuits and making money that you need to make so yeah ultimately it comes down to like man like yeah if you don't have a soul cycle you know and if you're living in a place without a tray of joe's like you probably don't have a soul cycle either you don't have a lot of options yeah look i'm not fucking uh roman mars so i'm not gonna like go into a big spiel about like food deserts or whatever the fuck but like food deserts exist in this country and again like I can't make this excuse for myself really because I know that like my poor diet is my own doing but for a lot of people their poor diet is like it's a class thing or it's the fact that they live in a food desert so if you're gonna like sit here and preach like oh the best way to like cure your depression or to cure your anxiety is to like go on like a keto diet or like whatever the fuck one, you're lying because it's not it's not based in science. And even if it was, it's like that's really easy for you to say when you live in a fucking bougie ass gentrified neighborhood where your apartment is probably like on top of a Whole Foods. It's, it's just like so easy to say from that vantage point. It's not really a thing that people say anymore. But have you ever heard somebody say that like, depression is like a rich person's disease 
I think so. I've definitely like heard people say, and again, like this is probably like, this is probably a thing that like people said, like, I don't know, like 15, 20 years ago, probably. But like, it used to be like a common like boomer ass like dad joke about like, oh, like depression is a rich person's disease in the sense that like, I mean, if you think about like even 10 years ago, like not as I don't I don't know the numbers on this. So like, I can't really like say this is fact, but like, I'm sure not as many people like saw a therapist regularly, right? Not as many people had ever even been to a psychiatrist probably. Not as many people were probably as educated about mental health and stuff. And so there used to be this kind of like stupid trope about how like only rich people have depression because only rich people would have the means to even go to a therapist to get diagnosed with something like depression. Obviously, that's a really problematic, like fucked up thing to say, but I understand where it's coming from. And I understand like the classism that it's rooted in because we live in the United States of fuck you die when it comes to like healthcare. And so, yeah, lots of people like can't afford to go see a therapist or go to a doctor at all to get diagnosed with anything. So I can totally see from like that perspective of being like, wow, like I wish I was like, you know, had enough money to even like go to a doctor to get diagnosed with something as like quote unquote frivolous as like depression or anxiety, you know? And like as misguided of a perspective as that is, like there is some truth in it in the sense that it's really easy for us to tell you to go to therapy, go to therapy, get medicated. But like, dude, I know I haven't had health insurance in fucking almost two years probably at this point. Believe me, I fucking know how much it sucks and, and how hard it is. Like I've said before, you know, your mental health isn't your fault, but it is your responsibility. Part of that responsibility is like making sure that like, even when I'm down to like my last fucking dollar, like my highest priority is like one of my highest priorities is like making sure that I'm able to like refill my medications and that I'm able to like check in with my doctor. And I know how fucking hard that is sometimes. And I have been, I've literally had points in like my worst periods of my life where I've literally been like, well, I, I, I'm fucking broke. My life is a mess. So I'm just not going to take my meds for a week because I have to pay whatever other bill. I'm never saying that like from the perspective of, oh, everybody has the ability to go to a doctor and to get diagnosed and then get medicated and then continuously pay for those medications every month. Because like, look, I fucking get it. And not even in like a fucking like bootstrap kind of a way, but it's just like, I am really proud of myself for even in like the worst times of my adult life, even like, you know, with Rona and like, you know, becoming unemployed and all of these other like awful things that have happened to me just in like the last like fucking six months, dude. Dude, the last six months has aged all of us by like 15 years, I guarantee it. But I am like very proud of myself for even in those moments, finding a way to make sure that my mental health is still a priority because if I'm a fucking disaster and I'm off my meds, I'm not going to have like the mental clarity to even be able to start to dig myself out of whatever mess I'm in. Absolutely. It, it does really all speak back to capitalism. Fucking hate this. I hate this shit. I don't like it here. Oh, another reference to Lacey Mosley. Dude, I don't even know if I can quote it because her delivery of this was just like too good and I'm probably going to make it sound awful. But remember when uh, when Joe Biden said that awful fucking thing about like, don't shoot to kill, like shoot them in the leg or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. 
horrible fucking thing Joe Biden said. I don't remember exactly what he said, but it basically amounted to like, well, if like you're a police officer and you have to shoot somebody, well, like try to aim for their leg, right? Which is so fucked up. But Lacey Mosley, being the brilliant, wonderful woman goddess that she is, scam goddess that she is, said that as fucked up and as horrible of a thing as that is for him to have said, I think it's a great metaphor for uh, this year and this election cycle. Because when you vote for Trump, you're aiming for the heart. And when you vote for Biden, you're aiming for the leg. So leg 2020. Hey, that's unfair. It's unfair how real that is. <laughs> when, when I heard her say that, I was like, wow, I have a way shittier version of that analogy that I've been saying for like two years. And now I feel bad about myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So leg 2020, everybody. Capitalism is ruining everybody's lives and capitalism is going to continue to ruin all of our lives, but aim for the leg, not the heart. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I like went on like a little date. Ow. And it was, it was all right. Like, I mean, as far as dates go, I'm not like a date type person too. So that that's its own thing. But um, uh, Loyal listeners will remember that Ronnie is the problem or was the problem. I'm still the problem. <laughs> but now I'm like a more put together problem because so the wild thing about this date is that this person I'm going to say it anyway. I'm not going to say their name, though, because nobody's going to know. This person is in an open marriage, and... That's a that's a hard no from me, dog. That's a hard no. <laughs> and it gets it gets better for me in terms of figuring myself out. But, um, so this person's in an open marriage, and the person they're married to is on one of my favorite shows. I'm not going to say what that show is. I might have. <laughs> is it a reality show or a scripted show? It, it was a scripted show. It's over now. Okay. And they told me that and they were like, oh, is this weird now? And I was like, no. And then I was just thinking about it and I was like, well, now it's a little weird. <laughs> also, they said they were complicated and I have like a history of dealing with complicated people. So I, I realized I was like, eh, I'm not that lonely. Like I'm chilling. So yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna push this any further. So yeah, um, our Lord and Savior Lacey Mosley always says you got to keep that despo meter low. If you don't know who I'm referring to, I'm referring to the host of Scam Goddess Lacey Mosley, who I adore. <clears throat> I don't know her. I just, you know, admire her from afar. But she always talks about like your despo meter. And when your despo meter is high, like that's when shit gets a little touch and go. She's talking about yeah. scams, but I think like in dating too. Well, dating is a scam. Relationships are a scam. Like being alive is a scam. Absolutely. So <laughs> I didn't even need to qualify that. But yeah, dude, everything about that just screams like hard no to me. And maybe this makes me sound like really close minded and I'm not. But like, I feel like people that are like in open marriages are just out here, like unapologetically fucking up other people's lives with their open relationship bullshit. You know what I mean? Because like, if if yeah. you're the one <laughs> in the open relationship, any other person that you bring into that, like that third person's going to get fucked up. But like, y'all will be fine. Right. I just like, I'm sure it works for like some people. And I'm sure like more like secure people than me probably can't relate. And the fact that she was like, it's complicated or whatever. No, no, no. That's a hard no. If it's complicated, that means you need to not be talking to other people 
to defend her in this case. She was more talking about that she like got out of, well, I guess it would be that situation was complicated, but she was more saying that she, not her marriage was complicated, but like she had just gotten out of a relationship with somebody else. Well, no, if if any aspect of your relationship situation right, yeah. or your romantic situation, is it all complicated? You're not out here single and ready to mingle or whatever the fuck you are. You know what I mean? Like, you need to stay the fuck away mm -hmm. from everybody else. Like, you're a pariah. Yeah, so the thing for me was I, one, I was just thinking about ass the whole time. So I was Fucking like, eh. preach, dog. I was like, I, I kind of got to get back to her because she's probably like upset because I'm gone. And the second part about it was this speaks more to like my own scumminess was like, I didn't care. <laughs> I didn't care that um, I was the person coming into the to the situation because, you know, it wasn't happening to me. You know what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, I was just kind of like, yeah, I don't know if this is going to work for me. <laughs> No, it's not. I'm fully against everything about, I don't know, like, again, I'm sure it works for some people, but I just like, like the only people that come out okay in those like, we're in an open relationship and we're seeking a third. Situations are like the people that are in open relationship, not the third. It's mm -hmm. like the third that always gets fucked up, I feel like. August Alsina is still crying. Dude, did you see like the video where like her and Will were like talking about that too? I saw the whole thing. Dude, I saw the whole thing. It made me so uncomfortable. And like, I realized that they're like, you know, mature adults and are probably like pretty secure in themselves and everything. But I just got the sense that like, you know, Will was was going along with what Jada was saying. But like on the inside, he was like, I'm gonna have to kill somebody. See, that's the thing though. Because I... it's like, yeah, Jada, of course, you're okay with it. You're the one that got like dicked down. Well, he was doing that too, though. Oh, like, okay. I didn't know that. He and Margot Robbie were probably, you know, a thing. I mean, it's Margot not like because they were on right and it's like not because they were in two movies together but like there's like a there's like a picture that like twitter sites is like okay will's not that sad like he was doing it too it's just that like august was like the first person to break that nda yeah i just got the sense from that video that jado was way more cool with things that than will was well she was because like it, it wasn't they weren't doing that for like their sakes they were doing it for everybody else's sake and so like again even like they we all know the the bounds of their situation more or less so it wasn't like she wasn't she didn't do anything wrong like yeah were they did they have like some sort of like open relationship or was this like an infidelity thing this was an infidelity thing right no i was a part of the open relationship oh, okay because like they had never like i don't think they had ever before the red table talk explicitly said like yes we have an open relationship maybe they did but most of it was just like industry rumors until this august thing happened and that's why people weren't like ah like she got caught cheating or whatever it was like august <laughs> August told on himself. Okay, so what actually was the August situation then? Because I'm a little more ignorant than I thought I was. He was doing an interview for, I think, like an upcoming album, and he talked about his relationship with Jada Pinkett Smith and how it felt so good for him and that he really felt like he had, like, been in something good. But obviously she was, like, still married to Will, so she wasn't going to, like, drop him, drop Will for August. That's the thing is, like, when you're the third, they're never going to be be as emotionally available for you as they are for like their actual spouse because at the end of the day like they married the other person you're right. just here yeah and that's what you're just convenient when they're not you're just a stand-in and that has to feel shitty no matter what exactly yeah it was never gonna be like a real like serious thing yeah okay. that's basically what okay. happened and so like kind of 
people were like clowning him in that respect that it's like you shouldn't have said anything bro yeah it's never gonna feel okay for you like it's just like and that's the thing for like me because like I was like so not like this changed my thinking or anything but I was like sure enough in myself that I was like yeah no I'm not gonna like fall in love or anything like that's played out <laughs> so it was a situation of like nah I'm not that into this person to do all that but it's not even necessarily like a you falling in love with them thing it's just maybe this is just me because i am a little bit narcissistic like i would have a problem not being their first choice you know like not being their number one like i i don't want to be like the side piece ever even if it's like right their spouse knows about it and it's cool and it's an open relationship i i want to be your first choice like i want to be number one bitch and I, I used to feel, not like I used to feel that way explicitly, but like I felt like I felt that. I, I like have felt that in relationships where this wasn't a problem. And again, now I'm just like, <laughs> I'm not lonely. I don't care. <laughs> I've been the shitty person so many times where it's like, I know that I don't give a shit about this person, but I'm just going along with it to like kill time or because it's convenient or whatever. So me having been the shitty person, I know how shitty people are capable of being because I've done it. And I would never want to be mm -hmm. on the receiving end of some of the shit that I've done. And so because I know how like empty and heartless and like sociopathic it is. Yeah, definitely. I um also kind of got a flashback to the last relationship where I got stabbed. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, this, not that this could end in, in me getting stabbed again, but I was like, hmm, this could end similarly. There's going to be drama. Yeah. And I was like, eh, let's save both of us. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, maybe I, it either speaks to like my narcissism or my lack of self-esteem that like, when I think about some of the people that like, I very like passively have dated where I have been like the less interested one and like been the shitty one that's like definitely like still sleeping around but saying that I'm not or like acting more interested than I actually am knowing how low of a priority that person was like on my if you think about like your tier list of like I don't know like when people text you who are the people that like you're gonna respond to right away and you get excited that you just got a text from them or the people that you're like i will look at that not right now and when i think about how low some of those people were on that tier list and it's like i don't want to be that person like my fragile sense of self could not handle it this person kind of i felt like i was at the top of this person's tier list and obviously it's like the beginning but like yeah yeah i mean that's good to feel that way which also felt a little claustrophobic <laughs> yeah see that's the other like fun paradox is that like whenever people are really interested i'm never down to reciprocate it or i, I never feel the same way i don't like when people are always asking me like like what's going on in my head because 66 percent of the time it's nothing yeah or it's shit that like you really do not want to know right and like when they do ask me after like six times then it's like the only thing in my head is like damn why do you keep asking me <laughs> yeah I feel like that's a lot because it's like I don't care even people I do care about I'm like I don't actually care that much about like what you're thinking about unless it's about me then I care again I'm a right. little bit like sociopathically petty but it's funny that you bring this up because I kind of had like a moment like two days ago where um, my full like vindictive energy really came out. I also didn't take my ADHD meds that day. So my impulse control was super low, 
the person that I've been like, I guess seeing in a in the loose sense for the past couple of weeks or a month or whatever texted me that he wasn't going to be able to hang out that night because he was like super busy with work stuff. And then he said something that was like, I think it just like triggered me because mm -hmm. as soon as I read this, you're all going to be like, oh yeah, no, I've received that text 900 times. I always read it as, well, I'll tell you what I read it as because I told him what I read it as, which was a big mistake. <laughs> so he said, I took on a big project and I'm trying to deliver before I ask for a raise. Ha ha. But to be transparent, I love hanging out with you. I just can't handle anything serious right now either. Nothing wrong with him saying that. Literally nothing. Because all he was actually saying was like, I'm just really stressed out. So like, I can't be like reliable right now. But my like ridiculous mind immediately read that as, you don't actually like me. I am just like a life-size flashlight for you. <laughs> I don't know if I should say this. <laughs> but sometimes that is what they mean by that. Well, I would just say, I don't think you're you're wrong for saying that. Because when you read the first part of the text, I was like, yeah, I think you're blowing up proportion. But then <laughs> the second part could mean that. Now, this might just be like my own like residual anxiety creeping in. But I wouldn't say like you're like... I, I see what you're thinking is what I'm right, saying. Right, because I've received like basically that exact text like verbatim hundreds of times because I think this is what my problem is. I come off very detached and very cold and I don't get very like vulnerable with people. I don't show a lot of emotion. And I think people read that as like, I'm very, I hate this phrase, but like a cool girl, quote unquote, which basically to fuck boys just literally means like a girl that's cool with you treating her like a life-size flashlight. Right, yeah. And so I've received that message a lot because I feel like I'm always that girl. I'm always like the life-size flashlight. And I'm really trying to like not put the resentment onto other people and try to like dig deep and figure out what am I doing wrong that is making this be a pattern in my life. So yes, most of the time that does mean I don't like you, but I do like fucking you. He rewords it later. Mm -hmm. I think the, the armchair psychology to creep in here is the fact that you're... When you got that, you were thinking there's something wrong with me, which now I'm saying, okay, that is the you. That's the you problem. That I, The problem with me is that I think that the problem is me. Not the problem with you, but like that's the, or the, that's problem, the, the, the problem. The situational problem is that I think I'm the problem. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. I mean, I just, like, I try to be like, because I don't want to have like a victim complex about it. And I really want to be like, well, clearly like I'm the common denominator. So why does this keep happening? But I do have to give credence to the fact that like men are trash and uh, men in LA specifically are trash. So my Scorpio rising bitch ass was like, that's fine. I gathered that kind of assumed I was just a convenient sex toy for when you're bored anyway. Why am I like this, Ronnie? Why do I say things like that to people? I think... <laughs> I think we're all kind of uh, screwy at times. But then when I reacted that way, he was like, oh, wait, what the fuck? That's not what I meant at all. I'm really sorry if I worded that in a way that made you think that I'd obviously love to see you and I love hanging out with you. I just really don't have a lot of time or energy to put elsewhere right now in my defense. That's probably how we should have worded it the first time. Mm. Because like when you put it in terms of like, I can't handle anything serious right now. Like that's such like a, 
and I get it like he's a former frat boy like that's like your go-to that's like the go-to right but like it I would so much rather you just be like I'm busy than to say I don't want anything serious (laughs) because that's not what he meant at all he's like no obviously I like you a lot I just like I'm just fucking stressed out but mm-hmm. I took it in a really super shitty way, which he then clarified after I told him that he thinks of me as a sex toy for when he's bored. Yeah, he definitely messed up in the wording. Yeah. If I had taken my meds that day and the entire world wasn't burning down right now, I probably just like wouldn't have said anything. I would have like assumed that to begin with. Yeah. There's nothing that you are doing that would lead me to think that you think of me that way. It's just mm, like yeah. you poor, like you worded this one thing really poorly. And so now like all deductive reasoning goes out the window. And it'd be like that a lot of times. It'd be like that like most of the time. I, it was a fucked up thing for me to say. I mean, I don't know. We got to praise your communication there. It was a little brash. Yeah, but I mean, you 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 said what was on your mind and you like reached a common understanding, which is all you could ever hope for. In every like, I guess, relationship where I like somebody, there's always like the first time that I like lose my shit at them. And whenever mm. that happens, I do go into a little bit of a dark period where like, oh, now they know like how insane I actually am. It's like you're breaking the seal. And I hate that mm. moment. I try so hard to like prolong it. I feel bad because like my seal is like, I just start lying. <laughs> that's a very Pisces and me thing to do. But yeah, that's when the seal comes when everything just is a lie. Yeah, it's like the Scorpio in me mm-hmm. is just like, I want you to hurt because I hurt right now, even though most of the things that I hurt about have nothing to do with you. Mm-hmm. Like, I want you to be sad. I feel pain, so you should feel pain too. Meanwhile, on my end, I'm just like, I want you to feel good, even if, like, what I'm, what I need to tell you is bad. Oh, no. They need to feel worse than I do. I have to adopt that energy because, and that's kind of what I'm doing in, in the situation I'm in now. I'm not advocating for my behavior at all. <laughs> I tweeted this um, and I felt like it was true. I'm trying to be a a worse person, but with better social adeptness. Yeah, see, I'm a shitty person who really doesn't have social aptitude. I don't know that it always serves me. I am really good at being mean, though. That has value. I don't know if that's a skill or a flaw. I think that's a skill because sometimes I be wanting to be mean to people and it's just like, ah, but if I say this, it's not going to come off as like the right level of mean. Like I'm just going to be like an ass for this. But I feel like if there's like, there's a je ne sais quoi in like meanness that can like actually bring change in people that I envy. <laughs> yeah, there was um this woman at the co-working space that I used to go to uh, before Rona who was letting me just like vent to her about all of my work bullshit one day and she was like better to be an asshole than a doormat that's right and i mean yeah like i know that but i really like needed i really needed her to tell me that without me knowing that i needed her to tell me that like yeah i would rather be feared than loved i would rather be an asshole than a pushover when you put it in those terms i think i have to jump off that ship (laughs) i want people to like me so bad I want people to like me, but I also want them to, like, I want people to like me, but also fear me at the same time. And I think that is the energy that I generally give off. And I think that is how people 
tend to respond to me. Yeah, dude, like after I like flipped out on him, which was real dumb of me and not because like I was obviously like I was right because I'm always right. Like he did word that in a stupid way, but it's more so that I just feel sad now because I'm like, man, you couldn't have kept your insanity under wraps for like six more months dude just a little bit yeah this is why i always stay in the booty call zone insoles are always talking about friend zones dude friend zone's fine friend zone's great you know what's worse booty call zone yeah see because that's the other side of this whole thing is like I welcome a good conversation, but it's it's so much worse to have somebody like pining after you that like doesn't really like want you, you know, they just like want you. If I wanted guys to like thirst after me, I can get that anywhere. I want you to actually like me as a person, but unfortunately I'm a piece of shit of a person. And so I need to repress that and make sure you don't find out until it's too late. It's funny that you say that today, because like when I was going to get coffee, I'm usually getting hit on by dudes, right? So (laughs) today this dude hit on me and I was just like, I'm not having it. Like, so I I was being like, I didn't acknowledge him and I kept my headphones in. Uh, Because again, compliments are cool, but sometimes it's just like, man, I don't have the energy to be perceived today. It's not necessarily that like, I have like super high self esteem. It's that like those like, superficial compliments just like lose all their meaning at a point and like yeah great thanks because you're just being like stared at but you're not being seen yeah and that's why i feel like conversations like that seem to like really trigger something in me because it just like triggers this like visceral pain that i feel uh just constantly over all of the times that like i have liked somebody and they have just like seen me as like a piece of ass. It hurts so fucking much and it never stops hurting. And so whenever like I even get like the tiniest sense that that might be the case, I just like, I can't, I I lose my fucking shit. I can't do it. No holds bar. Like I'm gonna be a psychotic bitch at you and probably ruin any chance that I had of like ever progressing past being a booty call. And that's not the situation here. I mean, I know that like he likes me more than just like a booty call or whatever. It's just like sometimes bitches be like expecting a lot the second you say that like this is anything more than that. You know what I mean? And like whenever I say like it's fine if you don't have time, it's fine if you're busy, it's fine if I don't get your undivided attention all the time. I feel like a lot of people say that, but they're lying. But I mean it. Look, I I do mean it. And I can't say that in a way to make them believe me. Like if somebody wanted to like wife me up and then ignore me like most of the week, I'd be so happy with that. Like that's kind of what I want. Like I want to be left alone. I just need like (laughs) the the verbal affirmation, you know? I'm like, yeah, but but I'm that bitch though. So it's okay. Yeah, that's something you gotta vocalize because I think most people would go into the situation like, all right, let me let me provide as much attention as I can. And it and it seems like it's not as preparatory as that. Which is probably why like dudes and not just dudes, like I'm sure plenty of I've never dated women, so I don't know. But like in my experience, this is why so many dudes will like send that like, hey, like I really like hanging out with you, but I just like can't do anything serious right now. That's why they always like word it in such a shitty way because it's like the second you let them think that you like them more than like a very casual 
hookup or whatever, like then they start expecting shit. And you just don't want like, you just don't want the dynamic to change from like, it's fine if you take like a day and a half to text me back versus oh now like I expect you to like constantly be up in my shit and like that's just not I'm I'm just I'm not like that but I feel like a lot of people are yeah a lot of people are definitely I almost want the label just like for my own self-satisfaction it's like a trophy to me like I just want that (laughs) nothing else really has to change to be perfectly honest Mm -hmm. and maybe that's a problem I don't know it's gonna like scream until I say it. So um, it is a problem, but <laughs> it's only a problem. It's a problem in the fact that I've actually been reading a lot of like about horror films, which are about breaking social constructs, and then a lot of queer theory, which is also about breaking social constructs. And so, like, not to make anybody feel bad out there, but like, ascribing to heteronormativity is little heteronormativity as it speaks to uh, a sense of time that is formed out of going steady and then getting married (laughs) is a little problematic but outside of that i think you're okay yeah and i fully accept that like my desire to be like well am i like just some bitch or like am i your girlfriend like my like weird like neuroses about that stuff i know how problematic it is and i never used to be like that i was gonna say like also being like a product of like society at large can like do that too yeah i think 20 year old me didn't give a fuck about that kind of stuff but you get hurt a couple hundred times and now that stuff means a lot more to me does that make any sense yeah that yeah definitely makes sense yeah and it's almost because it's like those labels mean are like those labels are really like scary in the minds of like straight cisgender men and so if they're able to conquer their fear of commitment enough to like call you their girlfriend like that's like biggest fucking win in my book i see yeah i see that straight men under 30 but in la it's like straight men under 40 are like terrified of the word girlfriend yes i've seen californication (laughs) yeah like the word girlfriend is like it's like a slur like i'm just trying to like be cool with you i'm not trying to fucking like i'm not asking for your left arm right so i think what i've come to then out of that is that men are the problem 100 percent, dude straight men are the problem all roads lead to straight men being the problem i mean even to that effect i also had to realize after all of my shit that i am the problem and i'm okay <laughs> being the problem as long as i'm not pushing any like bad energy on people but here's the thing if you have a dick and you're dating women you probably are and that's the thing there, there's like a certain level of that that i have to like accept as being the problem and I can do that. I think that being the case, I don't think you should accept being the problem. And I'm saying that fully aware of the fact that I'm projecting my issues onto you right now. Hopeless dope, Yeah, now it's uh, now it's really apocalyptic out there. So not completely to blame, but partially to blame on that fucking bitch whose fucking gender reveal party ended in a fucking explosion that caused a wildfire. It's not even the first time that that happened. Why do you need to throw an entire fucking party to tell everybody that your fetus has a penis? Gender literally is burning down part of the country. Like this unborn child's penis is literally burning down our state right now. I thought of an interesting gender reveal where you can just cut right to the chase and start a fire. And then when you put out the fire, the extinguisher is either blue or pink. Probably would have ended better. 
the the level of stupidity like the weekend that this happened you guys this was like east of la like out past like pasadena or some bullshit the weekend that this happened it was like one of the worst heat waves la has had in however many years like it was it was like bad like it was a record-setting heat wave and it was like fucking like over 110 degrees and like we live in a desert and to let all of your friends and family know that the fucking parasite growing inside of you has a dick you have to like fucking set off explosives you're gonna do that that kid is fucked that kid is fucked yeah that'll be the wild thing where it's like oh it's the kid who burned down california dude that kid that kid's entire life is already so fucked up like like fucking god forbid like they inherit their parents flagrant stupidity fuck but like even if they survive that the amount of therapy i would need just knowing that that i mean god like you know like those parents are just gonna like fuck him up so much because like if if they're that dumb like you know you know that kid's gonna have some shit to work out in like 20 years definitely gonna go in a history book dude but he's probably gonna be really fucking funny in like 20 years you know what i mean because like the most damaged people are the funniest and that's a fact Yeah, that's horror level movie lore. (laughs) Yeah, like maybe my coping mechanism is every time I experience a trauma, I think about what great material it'll be for my stupid fucking art. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that's usually what goes into my head when something bad happens too. I'm kind of always like in the back laughing like, this is going to be a story. Yeah, this is going to be a great story. This will make somebody's day. This will make somebody's day. You know, it's not difficult to be better than me. And so I'm sure I'm like bolstering a lot of people's like self-esteem, you know? They're like, well, at least I'm not that bitch. And to bring it all together, this is like a, you know, a dual coping mechanism for us because we get to let all this out. And hopefully for our viewers, this is um, a way for you to get a leg up on us. (laughs) Yeah, no, I hope that like my stupidity makes you feel better about yourself Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely 100 percent. and uh saying it out loud you know i don't know if it makes me feel better but it's pretty fucking funny in my humble opinion so actually ronnie brings up a great point that i mean the entire point of this podcast you know we get pretty like ridiculous sometimes and we veer off topic constantly and uh you know i'm allergic to formats and structure apparently but even when even when the conversation gets really fucking stupid it does help us a lot or it helps me a lot for sure not feel like a complete not feel like a complete degenerate i don't know it's a it's a it's cathartic the more we do this podcast, the more I realize that like, fuck, a lot of like my problems are the reason that like I feel like shit all the time is because I isolate myself and I don't just like fucking talk shit for two hours once a week. Although bringing it back with the whole date I went on, I realized <laughs> that I have pretty good conversations with Ash. Moral of the story is do what makes you feel good. And that's the best coping mechanism. Although writing down what's stressing you out and then the feelings behind it and then the truth of the matter gets straight to the point. I don't want to acknowledge the truth of, of whatever it is, you know? But it's fucking hard. But it's got to be step one to, to some sort of, like, something, you know? Yep. You got to acknowledge, and and then that's, you know, step one to uh, accepting. Acknowledge that that cute emo boy you had a crush on for, like, three years moved to another continent because your pussy ain't shit. And that's that. 
I don't know if y'all have to internalize that. <laughs> no, that was like hyper specific. Dude, it wasn't even another continent. It was another hemisphere. He moved to another hemisphere. Not even specifically internalizing it. But uh, yeah, if it helps, if it helps you to get through it, then by all means. <laughs> Dude, no, if it helps you to think about the fact that uh, a boy I liked literally moved to another hemisphere and didn't tell me. Oh, did you like go over to his place and he was like, ooh, I'm not going to be back. Oh no, we literally had plans. And then like the day before he was like, oh, sorry, I forgot to tell you. I moved to, uh, you know, the other fucking hemisphere. So not going to be able to make it. Yeah, I heard they got other Pokemon in the other hemisphere. So can't blame him if he was playing Pokemon Go. <laughs> you know, there's some like, bitches in like the southern hemisphere <laughs> like like they into some like they're into some crazy fucking shit down there that's so funny because <laughs> there are bitches everywhere <laughs> i know but like i was just like fuck there's probably like so many hot girls <laughs> i mean they got bitches everywhere but they really got them down there in the southern hemisphere but like that pussy is on a completely different season system yeah the coriolis effect makes it that the pussy juice circulates counterclockwise rather than <laughs> what we're used to in the normal northern hemisphere of clockwise no but that's that's like a real fear <laughs> i have they just different over there there's two kangaroos for every person just different how can i compete that's anxiety baby that's anxiety, baby. And that's also just like, I do like to hurt people, but I also have enough self-hatred to where like, I really love men who hurt me. Like if you make me feel like a worthless piece of shit because you decided to move to another continent for reasons that have literally nothing to do with me and I take that personally, that's hot. That's hot. I will be able to add on to coping mechanisms that sometimes if things are you know confusing the best thing to do is like step away from them <laughs> so that's what i'm doing yeah dude and sometimes that really helps god forbid he ever comes back because like i i know that like i am just pathetic enough to like fuck up my whole life mm. you know what i mean yeah i totally feel that sentiment like you got to tell yourself no sometimes in that respect yeah like i let you fuck up my whole yeah. life He's not the bad guy. I'm, you know, I'm at least half of half of the bad guy, you know? If you're going to fuck up my self-esteem, like I to quote death grips, I can't know what I'm about to do. Yeah. I'm not going to say that I can't be held responsible for the for the poor decisions I'm going to make, but like, I don't know. It's like what is it? It's like not like roid rage, but like, I don't know, man. It's something. It's a little Freud rage. Freud rage. Was like, I like that. Everything's either for a life drive or death drive, or the life drive is, is the sex drive. So we're either just trying to smash or die. And yeah, he's not, he's not completely wrong. <laughs> no, he's definitely not wrong. But as somebody who has like literally no sex drive, thanks to Lexapro, I feel like a part of the appeal is is a little like that emotional pain really really gets me there you know what yeah I mean? yeah that's exactly what it is yeah, yeah yeah it's like i can't come because you know too much lexapro to function but 
that little bit of emotional pain with a drop of gaslighting, it really fucking gets me going. I love being self-destructive. That's that death drive. <laughs> I think sp specifically it's like the propagation of like the human species. So you're not like- Right, right. You're not procreating and, and, and starting a family. Um, but I think- Yeah. I feel like if you bring it into like the more updated and a realistic sense, because Freud was like on drugs. So there's like, there's some more nuance to it. But even then there are things that we do to sabotage ourselves because we feel bad about ourselves and we want to make sure that that, that point gets home. You hear his theories and you're like, oh, he's spitting. And then you realize that he prefaces them from his position in society. And you're like, oh. <laughs> like, actually, another thing is, like, patriarchy really has had, like, physical effects on people's health. But Oh, my fucking God, yeah. That's, like, where, like, hysteria, in quotes, come, came from was, like, the oppression. Yeah, because it's, like, ugh, women are fucking nuts, you know? So that's what he's thinking with the death drive. <laughs> you know, you live, you fuck, you die. Like, I like the lack of whimsy in that. Freud was known for his lack of whimsy. Lack of whimsy. People would be, like, people would tell him that they believed in God, and he was like, y'all better grow up. There is like a really like self-destructive part of me that wants to get Panda Express right now. But I know that like halfway down your esophagus, it stops filling the void. It almost feels like too much food all the time. Even if you think about like breaking up during like two or three meals, like it's still, you have two bites and you're like, yeah. this is a lot. <laughs> like I said before many times, I'm here for a good time, not a long time. But I should really stop saying that because am I really having that good of a time? You're trying to prioritize it. And I think that's mostly what matters. That That's what really matters. All right. Well, I'm getting tired and hangry. So we're going to close it out. But this has been the Pretty Girl Pill Club. You can follow us on Instagram at the Pretty Girl Pill Club. You can follow us on Twitter at PGPC Pod. And you can also follow us at Public Notice LLC on Twitter. Specifically, if you're trying to come at Ronnie, that's where you want to go. Um, and our website is pgpcpod.com. All of our show notes, past episodes, and ways to reach us, all literally all the things uh, are there. And is that it? I think that's it. Yeah, that's it. I did it. I fucking did it. All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.